Welcome to the Healing School Podcast. This is a place where you can get built up in the Word of God concerning healing. This is a place of truth and bold faith in the Word of God. We encourage you to get your Bible and some notepaper. Write down what the Lord is speaking to you. This is a place for both receiving and ministering healing. The stronger your faith gets in this area, the more effective you will be for the kingdom of our God. Hold fast to the scriptures. The truth of the scripture never changes and it never gets old. These are episodes you can feed on time and time again. Please share our podcasts with other people. Most always, someone either needs healing or knows someone who does. God bless you and heal you as you hear his word. Praise God. I even got some cards. These cards are, uh, I used to have computer and it had 19 or 20 versions of the Bible. And I could look up any verse or any one verse or I could look up just a word and it would give the description. Praise God. So anyway, who would have thought 20 years ago that I'd still be using these cards today. So I have I have two three by five boxes like this that are jammed full of scriptures. So many of them that what I did was I pulled out some by subject matter and uh, I still use them today. And uh, so anyway, my title is We Are at War. We are at war. I think one of Satan's greatest weapons is most people don't realize we are at war. They just don't. And uh, so consequently, he's able to move and do a lot of things that if people were totally plugged into the fact that we were at war he wouldn't be able to move you know because God has done it all but we are at war I'm going to read a scripture but I'm going to read from my card and this is uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 and it was and it's on all the weapons okay but I'm going to read it in the message. The message Bible uh, is uh, it's a blessing. You know what I mean? I find that there's blessings in using multiple translations, okay? So anyway, here's Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best material. That's what Jesus has set out. Well-made weapons of the best material. And put them to use. So not only do we have the weapons, but we're to put them in use. So we'll be able to stand up against everything the devil throws your way. If you sit down and talk to anybody and hear their testimony, there are many things 
that the enemy has thrown all our ways. Isn't that right? Okay. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget in a couple hours. This is for keeps. This is a life or death fight against the devil and all his angels. Do you think most people realize that we're involved in a life or death fight against the devil and all his angels? Wow. You're up against far more than you can handle. Take all the help you can get, every weapon that God has issued, so when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than mere words. Learn how to apply them. Learn how to apply what? Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. Put them to use. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential for this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so no one falls behind or drops out. So not only are we to be concerned about ourselves, we're to be concerned about everybody that comes to the church. So you're to listen to them and you're to talk to them and you're to find out what's involved with their life and you're to pray for them. You know what I mean? We're to pray. God's weapons. We need prayer. Prayer is essential. And the word is an indispensable weapon. Okay. So... Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. I'm going to read it from two versions. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3 through 5. Okay. This first version, I'm not, I've forgotten what version it is, but we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false argument. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Let me read it from the Amplified. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we're not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and human using using the weapons of man. We're not going to use cannons and bazookas, machine guns, missiles, you know what I mean? Because we were involved in spiritual warfare, the unseen realm, right? We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. 
and we're taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so we are in warfare. Where, where's the battlefield? You know what I mean? The battlefield's in our mind. Okay, so go to Romans chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 2 in the Amplified. Okay. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. That word transform in the Greek is metamorpho. And, and what it means is, well, come on in. Grab the best seat in the house. You deserve the best. Okay. So that Greek word, it's, it's a description that describes what happens to a caterpillar changed into a butterfly. Okay. What happens to something, you know, in the natural, I, I don't know, but uh, caterpillars, uh, they're not too attractive to me. But butterflies are one of the most beautiful things that you'll see on God's earth. You know what I mean? They flutter around and they're beautiful. So, anyway. Be transformed and progressively changed. So what God wants to do on your inside is take you like from that caterpillar, from image to image, glory to glory. And then on the inside, you're a beautiful butterfly. And he wants to release you, let you go forth. And in your speak forth the words of God. Lay hands on the sick and then he heals. That's what we're to do. We're to do the works of Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he works through his people. Probably in, in the, all the studies, the thing that I've started to realize the most, is he wants to use us, each and every one of us. We're all made special in his sight. So anyway but be transformed and progressively changed as you spiritually mature. So it's a progressive thing, right? It's not instantaneous, you know what I mean? So how do you progressively mature by the renewing of your mind? Go over to uh, Hebrew, and uh, we're going to go to chapter 4. Okay. Chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and alive and full of power making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, 
the completeness of a person, of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and the intent of our heart. So the Word of God is alive and living and active and full of power. It has the power to transform caterpillar into a butterfly. It has the power to transform you from the image of Satan to the image of Christ, from image to image, and glory to glory. And he does it by the word. He said, my word's a seed. Jesus said, the word of God is a seed. For the word of God, who wants it planted? And then he wants it watered. Right? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then what's planted as a seed on good ground in the soil of our heart always brings forth fruit. God's the best farmer that ever was. You know what I mean? He knows everything about farming. And he knows how to take his word, which he takes his word and makes it flesh. And the word became flesh. Jesus Christ started out as God, sit at the right hand of the Father. But then they looked and they said, Jesus, you need to go to earth. And you need to help man. He, he needs help. You know? So he sent his son. And, uh, and he did it all for us. And what's happened is he spoke the words of God. Then he selected disciples and raised them up and sent them forth. And they spoke the words of God. And when they spoke the words of God, the same thing happened that happened with Jesus. People were healed. People were delivered. People were changed. And then we start out with the process. You know that the change, it's an inward change, not an outward change. Now we get older, you know, I looked at myself as a picture of 16, and I looked so good. I was up at the resort. My parents owned a resort in Minnesota. And here's this boy, 16. I had a chiseled body, and I was well tanned. I looked so good on the outside. I said, you know, I want to make a poster of this and bring it home and remember. Because I don't look the same now. So we changed. But you know what? I'm looking for my new body. Although I don't know exactly what it'll be, it'll be just like him. You know, think about that. He walked through doors, he walked through walls. You know what I mean? We can't even comprehend the way it'll be. But as he is, so will it be. We'll be as he is. Praise God. Okay. Let me finish. I started... Uh, be transformed and progressively changed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove for yourself what is what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So there's four people right here. God has a plan and purpose for you, David, and for you, Christy, for you and me. He has a plan for each of us. And it's a 
although we end up in the same place, heaven, and we'll see him face to face. But his plan for us on earth is different. We're all parts of the body, right? And uh, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story right now. Okay? Some teach, uh, some pray, ministry of helps, even the, the uh, keeping of this church, the cleaning of this church is a ministry. And uh, so anyway, we have a tendency to look on those we see, pastor, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, and we look on those that we see, but we, uh, when we first moved here, we were at a church, and uh, they had some prophets come up from, I believe, Alabama, somewhere down south, about three of them. And one guy was kind of the main guy. And uh, they were there for a week. And they really flowed in prophecy. And it was a real blessing, you know, to that church and the people that were there. But anyway, uh, a couple of days before they left, the main prophet gets up and he said, I want to point out he's really been instrumental in this church. And I, I looked up at the platform. You could see the pastor's chest starting to swell. And, you know, thinking, that's got to be me, you know. So he went on and on about how this person had blessed this church and this people. And then, then he, uh, I don't know, the, it was probably two or three times bigger than that. But anyway, about, she was about halfway back, maybe two-thirds back. He picked out a little old lady in her 80s. Okay. And he said, you're the one. It's been your prayers that he had held up this pastor. It's been your prayer. And, and he went on and on about it was her prayer. So God doesn't see as we see. We look at the outward and we think, oh, that pastor's got a great ministry. But the reality of it was, he was a little old lady, 87 years old. You know, many that are last will be first and the first last. So as the pastor's chest was puffing out and he was thinking he was first, he was that little old lady. So you know what? You don't know what your prayers have done. Your prayers are eternal. The prayers you pray today for other people, and it says in here, Pray long and hard and pray for your brothers and sisters. We have an eternal thing. Can you imagine being the one that prayed for David and God raised up David and, and God has used his psalms for hundreds of centuries? You know, it's affected millions of people. We have no comprehension. 
of all the things that God is doing in and through us and all that he's been in and through other people. But anyway, so God has a plan for you and a purpose for you and you are loved and you are important and you are needed. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, I think, uh, well, I'm not going to go there because I've got it written down, praise God. Okay. So Paul's writing Timothy, and this is toward the end of his life. And he said, I have fought the good and worthy and noble fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know what? So we accept. The moment we accept Jesus, then starts the battle of keeping the faith. But when we're done, we want to be just like, this is a good prayer for it. Write this scripture down and pray this prayer. Say, Lord, I want to finish the race. And I want to keep the faith. And I want to receive the words that you have for me. For all those that finish the race and keep the faith. Is that something you want to do? Okay, Father, we lift up everybody in this room. Everybody. And we ask that each one will finish the race by your hand. And they'll stand before you. And they'll say, I have kept the faith. And they'll hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Anyway, so we're at war. The battlefield is mine. We obviously have a fight. We obviously have an enemy, right? When I started this teaching, I think one of the things the Lord used, there's this song. And when I, the very first time we went to a Barb Jackson seminar on spiritual gifts, uh, she really had some good praise and worship leaders. But uh, it was a song. We have the weapons of warfare, the praises of God in our mouth. We have the sword of the Spirit, the word of truth, the word of God. No weapon formed against us will prosper, for the battle is the Lord, and he will not fail. And we will go forth and praise the name of Jesus and execute his vengeance on all the spiritual powers of the air. Praise God. What a great, great song. That song's just been going through me over and over. So we're, we're at war. And we have weapons. God wants us to use the weapons. What are those weapons? So, kind of like in the, over in the, in Europe right now, Russia invaded. Uh, what it, what's the name? Yeah. So, so when one side does something, we often see the other side, right? So, what are our weapons as Christians? 
first crash. Okay. So if our weapon that God wants us to use is prayer, what's Satan's weapon? He wants to stop prayer. Christy, you really don't need to pray. You've got other things to do. Never mind. Just go about and do those things that weigh heavily on your mind. You know what I mean? But God wants us to pray. And then another weapon is praise. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be reading here, but it says in Psalm eight, in Psalm nine, praise stops and stills the adventure. You know, we need to we need to be going around finding like a praise song. We have the weapons of warfare. Satan hates it because it stops and stills his work. We we um you know, I think we realize it when we read a book and we go, wow, there's power and praise, but it needs to be a part of our life, okay? Okay, then go over to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to read verse 17. Chapter 6, verse 17, okay. Really kind of starts out in verse 10. Or verse 11, put on the full armor of God. For his precepts are splendid, like the splendid armor of a mighty armed soldier. So you'll be able to stand successfully against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. Okay, but verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay? We're, we're to speak His Word. You know, that confession of His Word. You know, every night, you know, my wife was really, really struggling. She, uh, we didn't know if it was a sciatic nerve or, uh, I mean, she couldn't even ride in the car without a pillow underneath of her. And then when we went over the driveway, that little hump in there, she had to sit up. And, I mean, she was in bad, bad shape. So, but, but every day, I'm so thankful for this church and this healing class. What? Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I can hear myself. Anyway, so because of this class and because we're reading healing scriptures all the time, renewing our mind. So I pray for my wife every night. So she lays down and I, I lay hands on her her leg, and I command that leg, be whole and well in the name of Jesus. I command the vertebrae, be whole and well in the name of Jesus. I didn't know if it was a leg or I didn't know it was a vertebrae, you know. Then she had some stomach issues. So I command that stomach, be whole and well in the name of Jesus. 
And, uh, you know, she's got uh, three or, well, she's got about five issues. You know, started out with one. And then in our warfare, now we're up to five. But here's the point. No pain in her leg. It's gone. Okay, her stomach is functioning normally and well. You know what I mean? And so, so we take, and just the other day, so because I'm praying for her, okay, I got up and I had, I mean, I had a pretty severe pain in my back. I could hardly walk. I had to get with my cane, and even with my cane, I really struggled. You know what I mean? That's warfare. You're doing, you're doing something that God wants you to do. You're operating. You're flowing. You're seeing results. And so what does he do? He attacks person praying. But now, Tina's been praying for me. I don't know. I'm going to say four or five days. No pain. I have no pain. I had no pain yesterday. You know what I mean? Praise God. Praise God. I am so thankful that we use the sword of the Spirit. You're healed in Jesus' name. Command you to be healed in the name of Jesus. That's one of the most powerful things we can do, the name of Jesus. So anyway, prayer, praise, confession, speaking God's word, and then relying, I got a card. I call it relying on God's help. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to get to that in a second. The very next card is uh, spiritual warfare, and it's prayer. Lord, lead me in the right path, or my enemies will conquer me. That's, a, that's an eye-opener. If you don't pray, you know, you're going to lose a war. You're going to lose a battle. You know what I mean? But if you pray, and here's, here's what he says to pray. This is David. Tell me clearly what to do. And show me which way to turn. Now, if he's telling you what to do, and he's showing you which way to turn, it's perfect because he's perfect. He has all knowledge. And then going back into, remember when he was at Gethsemane and he, Peter, James, and John, he took with them and he said, pray for me. And so he came back. He sweated blood and he came back. And his disciples were asleep. Okay. So Jesus said, keep alert and pray. Otherwise, Temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing enough. But if we don't pray, temptation will overpower us. You know, we're, we're involved in a, I call it a pretty severe battle. But we... Uh, so this card is called Heaven's Help. I've got several verses of Scripture here. And think about this. 
I wrote this 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Yes, we are weak, but when we're in union with him, we are strong. And God's power helps us to help you. So I'm up here standing by the grace of God and his power, and he's releasing his power to help you. And then uh, verses 9 and 10. This is all 2 Corinthians 13, verses 9 and 10. Every day we pray for you that you'll grow stronger and stronger in the Lord. I'm writing to you ahead of time so you'll realize what tremendous power is available to help you correct your problems. You know what? Every Christian that's ever been born, God said, they need a lot of help. They need my help to correct their problem. I'm going to release my help to correct their problem. And then it says, continue to grow in the Lord so you can stand in the strength God's so willing to give you. Okay? He's so willing to give us his strength that we need. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Now listen to this. I'm going I'm I'm to read it, and then I'm going to tell you how I pray it. Okay? Satan uses every opportunity he can to discourage me and to beat me down. Yet these experiences keep me humble and dependent on the Lord. So, here's how I pray this scripture. Father, Satan uses every opportunity he can to beat me, to discourage me and beat me down. I ask that you use those same opportunities to encourage me and to lift me up. Okay. And then Paul said in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, as strange as it sounds, I am thankful for the insults the hardships, the suffering, persecutions, all the pain and difficulties I've had for Christ's sake. If people can see the power of Christ helping me through all these difficulties instead of seeing me, then I praise the Lord for all these trials. When I realize my own weakness, I am strong. Praise God. Praise God. Paul we're going to read about Paul and, uh, and him fighting some spiritual battle. And we'll see those verses. Okay. So the fourth area is forgiveness. And uh, I think my next teaching is going to be on forgiveness. But let me read you a couple of scriptures. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He's when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And he gives a reason. So Satan will not outsmart us. So one of Satan's major weapons is unforgiveness. Okay? And then the Lord said, when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. 
so that your Father will forgive your sins too. Because, yeah, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2, the Lord has not lost his powerful strength. He can still hear and answer prayer. But your sins are the roadblock between you and God. So when we are unforgiveness, it's a roadblock. It's preventing God from answering our prayer. You know what I mean? So, okay. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, 11, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive him for whatever is to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us. We're very familiar with his schemes. So we're involved in spiritual warfare. And I'm going to read... You know what? In, it says... In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Okay? So uh, go over to um, Psalm chapter 9. We're going to read something in Psalm and something in uh, chapter 9 and chapter 8. Okay. So, here's uh, thanks and praise. It says, I will give thanks and praise the Lord with all my heart. I will tell aloud all your wonders and your marvelous deeds. I will rejoice and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. So, bottom line is, when David prays and he thanked the Lord, the enemy stumbled and turned back. The enemy fled from him. Now go to uh, Psalm 8. Uh, see Psalm 8 verse 1 through 3 O Lord our Lord how majestic and glorious and excellent is your name in all the earth you have displayed your splendor above the heaven out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you've established strength because of your enemy that you might silence the enemy and make the revengeful cease. Praise is one of the most powerful spiritual weapons. We don't war according to the flesh with cannons, bazookas, and missiles, but we wage spiritual warfare. The high praises of God in our mouth, the sword of the spirit. You know what I mean? Think about it. If I had 
a mighty sword. And the enemy just kept walking toward me. Every time I spoke God's word, I stick him. And he'd come forward and come forward and I stick him again. You know what? He would turn around and flee. Because the weapon of our warfare is mighty. The praises of God in our mouth, the sword of the Spirit. Man, we are to confess God's word, God's word, God's word. We are, I'm, I'm realizing more and more in studying this, we're to internalize the word, we're to renew our mind. And God does a work of metamorphosis. He changes us from image to image, from Christ's image to Christ's image. And one day, when we get to heaven, we'll be clothed in our robe of righteousness. That's a robe of light. God dresses himself in a robe of light. We're going to be in a robe of light. And it says where there is light, there's no darkness. You know what I mean? We can't even imagine. How wonderful. Okay. Let's go over to Acts chapter 16. And this is getting to be one of my favorite verses, even though I just found it through teaching this. You know, I mean, I'd heard it before. But okay. Paul and Silas are doing a work, and then remember the remember the lady that these are men of the Most High God, and she was she had a spirit of divination, and Paul got so frustrated he commanded that thing to come out. Then what happened is she made a lot of money for the people that owned her, so she was a slave. So anyway, they stirred the people up in verse twenty-two. Chapter 16, the crowd also joined in the attack against them. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and ordered that Paul and Silas be beaten with rods. We're going to read a little bit, but they were beaten bloody. I mean, this is no smack, smack like we give a licking to our, our kids. This is beaten with a rod that takes flesh off. They were beaten bloody. Okay. 23. After striking them many times with the rods, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, the jailer, having received such a strict command, threw them into the inner prison, the dungeon, and fastened their feet in the stocks in an agonizing position. But about, okay, it's in verse 25. This one of the greatest verses in the whole Bible. About midnight when Paul and Silas were praying, that's the first weapon, and they were singing hymns of praise. That's the second weapon. Okay, so they use the weapon of prayer. They use this weapon of praise. Verse 26, suddenly... There was a great earthquake, so powerful that the very foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the doors were opened, and everyone's chain was unfashioned. 
Can you imagine? <laughs> Let's say you're not Paul and Silas, but you're sitting in jail and you're hearing them sing, and all of a sudden, a great earthquake comes down. And the door that's holding you in is open. And the shackles that held your hand and feet fell off. I mean, that's a miracle. That's a, that's a God miracle. In verse 27, when the jailer, shaken out of his sleeve, saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Man, they were severe back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, he was thinking that prisoners had escaped, but Paul shouted, saying, Do not hurt yourself. We're all here. Then the jailer called for torches and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out of the inner prison, he, sir, he said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Wow. You know what? God takes the most negative circumstances and turns it into a benefit, not only for this jailer, but for his household. And they answered, Paul and Silas answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and entrust yourself to him. And you will be saved, you and your household, if they believe. And they spoke the word of God concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ to him and to all that in his house. And he took them, the jailer took them that very hour of the night and washed their bloody wounds. But beaten with rods, their backs were bloody. And immediately he was baptized, him and his household. Praise God. So, I just want to read verse 25 again. About midnight when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise. See, no matter what our circumstances, we're to pray and we're to sing hymns of praise who can do miracles. If God wants an earthquake and that's what will help us, he'll give an earthquake. He'll give whatever is necessary. We serve a big, big God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians in chapter 20. Okay, I'm going to go over to verse 20. Okay, verse 1. Now it happened after this that the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Mennonites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. So, realize, so this is a spiritual war. Everything we see in the physical is a result of what's happening in the spiritual. Spiritual created the physical. God is... Okay, this is verse... Tw I'm sorry, chapter 20. In Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Okay.
Okay. Chapter 20, verse 1. Now it happened after this that the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Mennonites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat the king of Israel. Then it was reported to Jehoshaphat, a great multitude has come up against you from beyond the Dead Sea and out of Syria, and behold, they are in Hazaran Tamar, that is, in Gad. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set himself determinedly as his vital need to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So the people of Judah gathered together, came to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from all the cities of Judea to seek the Lord, longing for him with all their hearts. Okay, now we're going to see Jehoshaphat praying. Remember like Paul and Silas, first they prayed. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? Power and might are in your hand and no one is able to take a stand against you. And then... Uh, he goes on kind of, a, kind of a long prayer, but let's go down to verse 12. He's still praying. He says, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? Judge these people that have come again, your people Israel. For we are powerless against this great multitude which is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And the reality of it is, many times in our life, we don't know what to do. But if our eyes are on the Lord, good things will happen. So, I've got a little section. Let's see. Jehazarel answers the prayer. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon us. Jehazarel, son of Zechariah, son of Benai, son of Jael, son of, uh, I can't pronounce his name, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. So he prophesied, he said, listen carefully, all you people of Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, the Lord says this to you, do not be afraid or dismayed at this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. We need to realize in our spiritual warfare, the battle's not ours, but it's the Lord's. He just wants us to obey Him. And if we obey Him, then good things will happen. So the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Go down against them tomorrow. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you'll find them at the end of the river valley in front of the wilderness of Jerome. 
You need not fight this battle. Take your position and stand and witness the salvation of the Lord. Battle. I mean, here's what he's really saying. I want you to go. He tells them where to find them. He gives them directions. And then part of his direction is just, you just go stand and wait and see what I'll do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you need not fight this battle. Take your position. Stand and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord is with you. So, so what does Jehoshaphat and the people do? Jehoshaphat bowed with his head to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. And the Levites from the sons of the Kohanites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel in a very loud voice. Remember? First, Jehoshaphat prayed. Then he fell down to worship. And then the people praised God. So, verse 20. I've got a little caption before here. The enemies destroy themselves. So the Lord says, go and watch and see what I do. And so they got up early in the morning and went out to the wilderness at Teorah. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe and trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established, secured. Believe and trust in his prophets, and you will succeed. We just to believe. I believe in you, Lord. And we can be, we can be like that... Uh, Man in the New Testament, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. God gives us the ability to pray for what we need, and he knows just what we need. Okay. So Je Jehoshaphat, when he consulted with the people and appointed those who sang to the Lord, those who praised him in their holy priestly attire, as they went out before the army and they said, Praise and give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. So, instead of sending out the warriors first, they sent out the praisers first. Right? And when they began, this is verse 22, when they began, began singing and praising, the Lord sent ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. So they were struck down in defeat. They didn't raise a sword. They just sent out the praisers and praised God. Well, you know what? Those are probably pretty good verses. And... Uh, Believe and trust in the Lord your God. Anyway, so that's a, that's a situation where so many people came against him. Jehoshaphat was terrified. And, he, and in the natural, there's no way 
Let's put it this way. I'll, I'll give you an example. There's no way that 10 people in the natural can defeat 1,000 people. No way. But we're not dealing with the natural realm. We're dealing with the supernatural realm. We're dealing with the God who can do all things. The God who said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Go and use my thoughts. And prayer and praise. Okay. Now, let's go to First Samuel. And uh, we're going to read about David. So, Chapter 17, and uh, let's see. Now, so David, his brothers are in the army, and his dad sends David up with some food for his brothers. And then uh, the Philistine comes out and starts. Uh, cursing God and and uh, whatever and so anyway so he upset his brothers his one brother said why have you come down here and whom did you leave those few sheets in the wilderness I know your presumption your overconfidence and evil in your heart you've come down to see the battle and David said well what have I done to you it's just a harmless question you know what I mean so, when the words that David spoke were heard and the men reported them to Saul, he sent for him. So he sends to David, okay? And David said to Saul, Let no man's courage fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight against the Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. For he's only a young man. He's been a warrior since his youth. Now, he's looking at the natural realm. Right? That's all Saul's seen. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came, took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after it, attacked it, rescued the lamb from its mouth when it rose up against me. I seized it by its whiskers and I struck and I killed him. <laughs> David killed a bear and he killed a lion. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted and defiled the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. He's calling those things that be not as though they were. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. So, think about it. Here, when Paul Saul was seeing only the natural realm, he's going, No way. But when he hears the word of the Lord, now he's got confidence. Now he's got courage. So then he tells him to go. 
Okay. So then uh, Saul dressed David in his garment, put a bronze helmet on his head, put a coat of mail garment on him. At this time, Saul was the tallest man in all Israel, right? There's no way that any of that armor would fit him. So then David fastened the sword over his arm and tried to walk, but he could not because he wasn't used to that armor. And so he took them off. He took his shepherd's staff, and in his hands he chose five small smooth stones out of the steam bed. Put him in the shepherd's bag. With the sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The Philistine came and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked around and saw David, he derided and disparaged him because he was, excuse me, just a young man with a ruddy complexion and a handsome appearance. He was a redhead and a good-looking guy. Right? Philistine said to him, Am I a dog that you come to me with a shepherd's staff? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, This is what we can say to anything that comes up against us. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, the God of hosts, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you down over to me. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. I'll give your corpse of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky, the wild beasts of the earth, so all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. And the entire assembly may know that the Lord is not saved with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. You know what that phrase keeps coming up? The battle is the Lord's. And we are his children. Think about it. If you were a wealthy king and you had a mighty army, and one of your children went out. Wouldn't you do anything to help him, to protect him, to make sure he wins? So anyway, when the Philistine rose and came forward to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung him, struck the Philistine on his forehead, the stone, the stone penetrated his forehead. So you know what? That was supernatural force. That wasn't the force of a natural man because that stone penetrated his skull. And that skull was pretty uh, heavy duty. David had part of his skull taken out, didn't he, Dave? That's pretty heavy duty. So anyway, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck down the Philistines and killed them. But there was no sword in David's hand, so 
He ran, stood over the Philistine, grasped his sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him. And he cut off his head. You know, and then later he was dragging the head around him when he went to meet Saul. You know what I mean? But the reality is, probably what's good to get bit out of here, it's not your battle. It's the Lord's. We're children. And he said, just stand here and watch what I'll do. Because the battle's not yours, but mine. So that's a good word as we go out this week. The Lord is with you, and the battle is the Lord. It's not yours. That's good news. That's why they call it good news, right? Praise God.